Hello and welcome to Vida Talks, the podcast that will provide you with resources and tools to improve the quality of life for you and those around you. I am your host, Miriam Vasquez. And Alejandra Gaitan. Today we are sitting down to talk with Francisco Sagredo, licensed clinical social worker at Project Vida, and Carla Favela, our outreach facilitator. We will be discussing the Be Well program and its in-school services. Francisco will explain the differences between fear and anxiety, normal levels of anxiety, and how anxiety affects our behaviors. Make sure to listen all the way through to learn more. Special thanks to our Best Buy Teen Tech Center, a program at Project Vida designed to empower youth to learn the different elements of art and technology, for allowing us to use the center to record this episode. For more information, visit pvida.net slash Best Buy Teen Tech Center. Hi, Carla. Hi, Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, just to start off this conversation, Carla, can you let us know more a little bit about Be Well and, and, and what, what you all do? Of course. So Be Well is a program that we have at the schools. Currently, right now, we are at SISD, EPISD, Canotillo ISD, and and Clint ISD. What we do is that we offer um, therapy services to students. Um, so the way that it works is that it works by ref a referral process in the case that a teacher or a counselor identifies a student that would like um, that would benefit from from therapy. The counselor would refer that student to our program in Project Vida and then our navigator, um, uh, the person who is responsible for all the documentation, uh, contacting the parents and um, staying in contact with the counselors. They are the ones that uh, start that process and they um, they um, they provide that documentation to the parents. They're also the ones that deal with the insurance and all of those things? Yes. Okay. Yes, so we do accept insurance, we accept Medicaid, um, but however, we do not deny services on the inability to pay. Of course, that in that case, the navigator would uh, provide um, a balance scale mm -hmm. um, where they would base off of their income and they would ensure that their service is, afford is, is affordable in the, mm -hmm. in the case that they qualify. Okay. Can you explain just a little bit more what sliding scale means? Uh, because from what I'm understanding is The, the services are not free, but that doesn't mean that they are going to be denied services, right? Yes, correct. So in that case, the navigator would, um, they, they would ask for several documentation um, about their income. And based off on that, um, that's how they're going to, to, to help the student to achieve affordable care. Um, for more information, I can go ahead and give you um, the contact for Maida Avalos. She mm -hmm. she is the one that she's a lead navigator, and she can provide you more information on that. I think we'll take your we'll take you up on that towards the end of the episode. That's something that I'm sure our listeners will be interested in. That of course, thank you. Of course. So uh, tell us just a little bit more of uh, Be Well and and how you know Francisco comes into play and his role. In, in this program and, and how that then uh, looks at the, in the schools? Of course. So in the schools, um, Project Vida has a team of, um, um, has a team of three people. Um, the first one is the outreach facilitator. They are the ones that, um, they provide education, they promote the program. Um, they are in contact, they are the contact between Project Vida and school administration and counselors. 
Um, the second person would be the navigator. The navigator ensures to provide all the documentation. And then we have the therapist. Um, the therapist provides um, counseling services to the student. So can you elaborate a little bit more, Francisco and Carla, about how you work together? Um, you know, for example, if you are providing education and the student uh, is interested in this program, do you directly refer them to Francisco or do you go through the navigator? How does that work? How does that look like? Thank you for having me, first of all, um, Ale and Miriam. So the way that the process works is uh, the outreach facilitator, Carla, is conducting presentations in the classrooms or doing like uh, outreach services to make sure that the students are familiar, that there's services out there for them, mm -hmm. mental health services. Um, and so if a student is interested, uh, the way that the process works is either the student, the parents, or a teacher, a concerned teacher, mm -hmm. can refer the student to the school counselors within the schools. And then once the school counselor determines that the student is in need of mental health services, then they provide a list of referrals, which includes us, Project Vida. Now, we're, if we're in the school, um, that removes the barrier of transportation for parents, right? Of course, yeah. So it usually can become one of the, it's a very convenient option for them. Um, and so we usually get the referrals through that process. So again, it can be either the student being informed of their services out there and then going directly to the school counselor. It can be a, a parent who's concerned for their child, or it can be a teacher who's seeing a lot of behaviors indicative of need of mental health services. Mm -hmm. So I think what I'm interested in also learning about, because this is, you know, eliminating that barrier of transportation and having to take this, uh, the student elsewhere and then not necessarily worrying about outside schedules, that's great, right? Mm -hmm. But what has been your experience um, giving these students their services? Do you experience any barriers in um, yeah, giving therapeutic uh, services for students? And um, how would you say that you've been able to, to go past that so that you are able to give them the services? Uh, I think there's there's a variety of barriers that that we encounter, and I think this is this is uh, barriers that any mental health agency has. Uh, uh, first of all, the capacity that we have in our caseload that definitely limits you know the amount of students you can see. Um, one of the challenges in schools is the schedule that the students have. Uh, it's we work with the schools closely to ensure that we have the as much freedom as they could afford us to be able to see the students on a reasonable schedule. Um, so that I think depends on each school in particular. Some might allow you to take the students out only during electives, for example. Other schools might be okay with you seeing the student at any time that uh, you can see the student. But uh, I think that if you if you consider that if a student is receiving mental health services outside of Project Vida in the school, they will lose at least half of the day. You know, they will lose at least three, four hours because of transportation, because of um, having to take them out of the classes. So they're going to lose more work than if they, you know, if we are in that school, we can see them and they will only um, be with us for about an hour and then they come back, go back immediately to their class. So that's the, you know, the main advantage, I think, of being in the schools. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing. And... Based on the fact that you've been in school, what are some 
pertinent issues, topics that you've seen, um, the youth experience that you would like to talk to us about today? So one of the main reasons why students seek services um, is anxiety. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is, and I mean, along many other issues, but anxiety is one of the most, uh, you know, uh, uh, present issues in the schools. So I wanted to talk to you both today about anxiety, about what is anxiety. So uh, anxiety is described with many different words. Um, I think that we all experience it in our own unique way. Uh, but just to throw out some words there about what anxiety is, is people describe it as uh, uneasiness, nervousness, worry, fear, um, dread about what's going to happen, jumpiness, jittery. There's so many different words that we can use for anxiety, right? Um, so how do we define it? It's, it's, it's important to differentiate it from fear because fear and anxiety are very similar or people, people think they're very similar and, and they do overlap a lot. But just to distinguish them, fear is the emotion that you feel whenever there's a threat in the present moment you're in imminent danger right and anxiety is anticipating a threat in the future right mm, okay. so anxiety is about anticipating something that's going to happen um and so anxiety is like our brain's way of predicting that there's going to be a threat in the future and it's warning us about that threat happening uh you know think about a student who's worried about a test you know what is that student worried about? What's the cause of the anxiety? Well, it's the threat of failing, right? Is a threat of not doing as well as they would like or, or failing the, the test. Um, another example would be being anxious about a first date, right? What are you anxious about? What's the threat? Um, possibility of looking dumb, not impressing your date, being rejected, right? But you're predicting a negative consequence in the future. You're anticipating one, which is causing the symptoms of anxiety. You know, so in simple terms, it's our way of, it's our brain's way of detecting threats in the future and telling us about it. Um, as you're explaining a little bit more about what anxiety is, I, I think that probably all of us yeah. here have experienced, yeah. you know, anxiety at some point um, and for a variety of reasons. But I, I think that not all of us have access to a mental health professional to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So what makes it a good idea to mm -hmm. to seek someone if you're dealing with anxiety um, that sounds something similar to this, but, mm -hmm. you know, when, when do I know if I need to go mm -hmm. see someone mm -hmm. or it's something that I just need to deal with? That is a great question. So the, the first thing to understand is that anxiety is a normal emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all feel anxiety there's no such thing as someone who doesn't feel anxiety right so it is a normal emotion and it is useful for us to feel it and i can talk about well, how it's useful um but your question is how how do i know if it's if i'm feeling anxiety mm -hmm. the normal anxiety or how do i know if it's an anxiety disorder mm -hmm. right or a need for me to seek mental health services right, right. okay so uh, let me just first uh Kind of go into whether anxiety is it a good thing or a bad thing so anxiety serves a function it has a purpose right again it's telling us there's a danger and it's trying to motivate us to take action to prevent it from happening 
right? So in, in the case of the student who is worried about their test, having a little bit of anxiety about it or even moderate amounts is useful. It's a good motivator. You know, if you didn't have that, then you wouldn't care and then you wouldn't, you know, take your test and you wouldn't do good. So anxiety in that situation is normal. It's expected and it's it's even useful, mm -hmm. right? Um, so normal levels of anxiety are healthy and even critical to surviving, mm -hmm. right? But when is it a problem? Well, it becomes a problem whenever it's excessive, persistent, and disproportionate to the threat. Okay, so what does this mean? It means that uh, this student in this case either has to, to feel okay, they have to study for tremendous amounts of time and they still don't feel prepared, they still don't feel ready, they still feel worried, or the anxiety itself is affecting their performance, meaning they're actually taking the test and they're so focused on their anxiety that they can't concentrate, so they can't take the test, right? So it has to be, again, excessive anxiety, persistent, and it's not proportionate to the actual threat. It's the reaction you're having is way more than you know it requires. And another thing that makes um, to differentiate normal anxiety and an anxiety disorder is uh, if it's affecting the person's daily living. You know, uh, in the case of a student, is it affecting their academic performance? Is it affecting their ability to make friends and maintain friends? or family relationships? Is it affecting their ability to take care of household chores and other important responsibilities? Um, so those are the two key things. Is, is it affecting their daily functioning? And is it a disproportionate amount to the actual threat? When you talk about a disproportionate amount, mm -hmm. um, I feel, I don't know, but it gives me the impression that might that might be a little bit subjective mm -hmm. uh, to the person um, or to someone else assessing whether that's disproportionate or not how do you gauge that how how do you um identify that it's a disproportionate amount of anxiety that you're dealing with i think that uh i mean there's no like to the math way to to say mm -hmm. that right it's it's also us as clinicians to assess and determine if it is a disproportionate amount but i mean i can I, we can go over some examples and then kind of through the examples mm -hmm. show how it's disproportionate. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to uh, talk about one way in which anxiety affects our behavior and how that shows that it can be disproportionate. So I'm going to talk about something called avoidance, right? So uh, avoidance, what does it mean? It means avoiding people, places or situations that trigger your anxiety. So, for example, if you're a socially anxious person, meaning you get anxious in social situations. You tend to fear being judged or criticized by others. That's the threat, right? Um, so an example of avoidance would be for this socially anxious person to have to do a presentation in their speech class. And the day of, the, of, of when they're going to their presentation, they decide to skip. They don't go. They avoid going to the class. So what happens? The avoidance helps them relieve the anxiety, right? And in the short term, they feel better because they didn't have to deal with it, right? They, they completely remove themselves from, from, the, the from the situation that causes anxiety. But that over time makes it even harder to deal with that situation because they've told their brain pretty much, yeah, you should be afraid of that. Right, that's why you're avoiding it. So they're wiring their brain exactly to differently. Fear mm -hmm. and and to do what 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 makes them feel comfortable, but at the end of the day, affects kind of their quality of life, both mm -hmm. personally, academically, 
academically and professionally professionally exactly now it's affecting the academic performance right mm -hmm. and uh you would say it's disproportionate if because uh while it's normal that a person will feel anxiety doing a presentation it is a normative experience for kids to do that right mm -hmm. so if, if they can't do that you know and, and again this is just one example but mm -hmm. if you know if, if it impacts them from even making friends or being able to uh okay another example like a kid is in a class um and they need to use the restroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But their social anxiety is so strong that the imagining themselves raising their hand to ask permission causes them a lot of fear of people looking at them. Again, disproportionate because now they have to hold on, you know, to need to use the restroom until, you know, they're out of the class. And I think that also goes into your other point about it affecting their daily functioning, right? Mm -hmm. Because they might get an infection or you know yeah. it might get it might become a medical problem because exactly. they, they don't go to the restroom when they need to go mm -hmm. so so it sounds like i guess if 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 we experience uh, anxious feelings but we're still able to go do the presentation ask for help things like that those are ways of us understanding kind of being a bit more self-aware that we are experiencing anxiety, but we're able to work through those moments. Mm -hmm. um, so how would you say that you, you, you're able to help um, a student or client go through those experiences, right? Because it sounds like it's, it's uh, both the thoughts that run in their head and, and, and then how those thoughts end up being projected based on feelings, right? And, and, and their bodily expression, like maybe they start tapping their foot or maybe they start being very jittery. And uh, how to work through those feelings and those thoughts to be able and to be able to talk to a new person, to ask for help or uh, take the test. What, what are some of the, I guess, well, coping mechanisms, right, mm -hmm. of experiencing anxiety? And is it hard to get to that point? So uh, just to make sure I understood your question, uh, is it to clarify some of the things that I do as a therapist to help clients in coping with their anxiety? Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. okay. So you mentioned thoughts, you mentioned feelings, which mm -hmm. is awesome because that's uh, uh, related to cognitive behavior mm -hmm. therapy, one of the, the golden standards of therapy. Um, and so just to give a little... A little uh, introduction to it or a summary to it uh what we would do is what i would do is you know first of all understand what's causing this person their anxiety right and helping them express uh what's what's causing those sensations you know usually people who have anxiety they'll have a lot of bodily sensations associated with their anxiety Sometimes we don't know that we're having those bodily sensations because we have anxiety, especially for a student or a child. Um, you know, uh, just some common ones. And again, each person is very different, mm -hmm. but your heart rate goes up, your breathing becomes, becomes more shallow. Um, you might be sweating in different parts of your body. Um, you can feel dryness in your throat. There's many different symptoms that can be uh, an expression of anxiety. And so one of the things that we do is helping the person identify, recognize that they're feeling anxiety in this moment. And then also, you know, talking about thoughts, recognize what are the thoughts mm -hmm. that are happening that are 
triggering those mm -hmm. symptoms, right? Um, and usually they have what we call maladaptive or unhealthy mm -hmm. thoughts that, um, you know, that they believe in that are driving this fear. So, you know, for example, a kid who has social anxiety, meaning they have this disproportionate fear of being criticized or judged by other people, they will look at the person walking in the hallway and they will assume that you're that they're mm -hmm. judging you, mm -hmm. you know, that's their assumption, mm -hmm. you know, that they don't like how you look mm -hmm. or they, they might be judging a particular thing about you, mm -hmm. right? So we help the student identify this thought, which, you know, takes work to help them figure out this is what I'm thinking that this person is thinking about me mm -hmm. and then helping them recognize like checking if that's reality or just a thought that comes in their head and what makes that thought real right mm -hmm. and so CBT is about examining those thoughts and helping them question them challenge them and replace them with more healthy realistic thoughts mm -hmm. so that that's you know just a, a little summary of, of CBT. CBT. Yeah, it, it sounds like um, we go from w people who experience anxiety may experience kind of those stress that may be tolerable for some people. It becomes toxic to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes so toxic that um, their brain ends up being wired, which is where they get these thoughts. And then these thoughts become, like, they end up being projected into feelings. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of of I guess because I understand that I guess mental health is can be such a um, unknown topic for some individuals, right? Like they don't know too much about it. I think it's helpful to clarify what happens in in the room, which is what you're explaining to us, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're letting us know that um, it's a way of helping individuals get agency to improve their quality of life. And so I think that that's really, really neat. And so at the end of the day, what are some applicable coping mechanisms that kids can walk away with whenever they 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 see you at school or things like that? Like, is it deep breathing? Is it um, positive thinking? Like those kinds of coping mechanisms that you could share with us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, another area that I work on with kids mm -hmm. is what we call mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness, you know, you, you were mentioning deep breathing. Mindfulness is a skill of coming back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. um, one way that I like to conceptualize anxiety is that you're living in the future mm -hmm. because you're thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow or, you know, what could happen if, you know, you're, you have a lot of what if questions. What yeah. if this happens? What if this happens? Right? You're living in the future. Um, and so mindfulness is a skill that helps you come back to the present moment. Mm -hmm. um, and by coming back to the present moment, you can learn how to calm your body down. Uh, mindfulness also helps with those symptoms that I mentioned in the body mm -hmm. of uh, heart going up, the, the shallow breathing, all these symptoms of anxiety, of tenseness in the muscles. A lot of people cannot tolerate those feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, they, they worsen how they feel anxiety also in their head. It, you know, the mind and the body are connected. So the more your body freaks out, mm -hmm. the more your thoughts also follow that freaked out, you know, um, feeling. 
which can again create a vicious cycle of getting more anxious, more anxious, and you know, you can develop a panic attack, for example. Mm-hmm. So what mindfulness does is we help the, the student or the client learn deep breathing skills because by breathing deeply, you are telling your body that it's okay to calm down, mm-hmm. you know, that you're not in a dangerous situation, you know, that, that you can come back down to your normal level. And when your body calms down, your mind also starts to follow. Mm-hmm. And if you were overthinking, if you were having a lot of worries and thoughts, they will be able to come back down to a level that is manageable. Now, the goal of therapy is never to get rid of your anxiety because that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to help you manage your anxiety, which is something that we all have to do is manage it. Mm-hmm. Are there, when you when you say mindfulness, um, you know, deep breathing comes to mind, but are there other practices that um, highlight being in the present moment? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a variety. Um, some of them that, that I, can, I can mention to you is uh, for example, learning to see or experience the present moment as if it's the first time you've ever experienced it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're in a, in a room in an office and you've seen every object in an office. Mm-hmm. You know what a chair is, mm-hmm. you know what a wall is, you know, like those objects become almost invisible to you, mm-hmm. right? And so what mindfulness does is we practice what we call beginner's mind, Mm -hmm. which is being able to 100% try to look at what's in the room. uh, And the more beautiful the place of things are, the stronger the connection, right? Mm -hmm. Because you really are able to focus on it. But we we help the student try to to look around the room um, and notice something that they may have not noticed before. And, you know, we ask a variety of questions like, what color is it? Mm-hmm. What do you notice about the texture? And, you know, we have them notice those those um, objects. And then we do it also with your hearing. You know, what are you hearing? We do it with your touch, with your senses. We help the person recognize they have, they have senses mm-hmm. and they can use them in, you know, even daily routine situations. Mm-hmm. And that helps the person realize that they are always living in the present moment, but when you're worried or anxious, you're no longer here, mm-hmm. you're, you're somewhere else. So we help the person ground themselves by coming here, noticing their environment mm-hmm. and being able to connect back to their environment and again, connect with their breathing. And that helps them ground themselves to the present moment. Those are, uh, I think, very practical and very accessible exercises that obviously you know the students that you see in therapy I'm sure are are able to do but also someone maybe that's listening to Mm -hmm. us could also apply them and um, you know take advantage of that whenever it is that we're feeling anxious and as you mentioned we all need to manage our anxiety Mm -hmm. Um, so um, thank you so much for sharing all of that information with us today Francisco and Carla Um, you know, we we know that this this program Be Well is very important. It brings very uh, needed services to the schools and to the students across the El Paso area. So, if 
you know, if someone who's listening to us, maybe a parent or a student, recognizes some of these symptoms uh, of anxiety or some of these thoughts and feelings and sensations, you know, resonate with them, um, where, how could we, you know, connect them to you all? Um, how can they, if there's the services in the school that they are, they go to, how can they reach you? Yes, so um, cur uh, currently we're serving in SISD, UISD, and Clint ISD, and EPISD. So if you, they would like to, um, to know if our services are in their campus, they can approach their school counselor um, and they can go ahead and let them know um, if they have the program in their campus. Or if you would be interested, I can also give you the contact for our lead navigator, Mayra Avalos. Um, her email is m period a v a l o s at pvida dot net, and her phone number is nine one five six three three four four five eight. Awesome, Carla! Thank you all so much. I know we're gonna have you all back again uh, for just continuing this conversation about mental health and awareness, and kind of informing our audience uh, about. Um, the services that you all provide. But anyways, thank you so much for coming. For those listening to us, if you're looking for more information about the services Project Vida has to offer, check out our website, pvida.net, or on social media as Project Vida EP. Don't forget to follow us and stay tuned for our next episode. We'll see you later. Until next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.